Hello, and welcome to the Hypochondriac's Almanac podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I want to wish everyone a happy new year. I hope that everyone had a safe and healthy holiday season. Before we jump into the show today, I'd like to give a few little disclaimers first and foremost. We are not doctors, nurses, or medical professionals of any kind on this show. Please do not take what we say as medical advice. If you have an issue, go see your doctor. Let's jump to the first article today. The key to a longer, healthier life is dealing with inflammation. Here's how to do it. And Miranda Levy wrote this article. In the past few years, a new buzzword has entered conversations about illness and disease. Doctors are increasingly talking about inflammation, a term which describes the automatic response or flaring up of the body when it tries to fight infections, toxins, and trauma. Until recently, inflammation has generally been used to describe something you can see, the redness of a stubbed toe or the itis of a swollen pair of tonsils or an appendix. Then there were the autoimmune conditions such as inflammatory bowel disease, but now attention is being given to hidden inflammation, a chronic, insidious, lifelong process that could be responsible for common conditions from heart disease to cancer to type 2 diabetes and even depression and dementia. Dr. Silpa Ravella is a transplant gastroenterologist, assistant professor of medicine at Columbia University Medical Center, and the author of a new book called A Silent Fire, The Story of Inflammation, Diet, and Disease. We used to talk largely about inflammation as a consequence, not as a root cause of a disease, she says. But in the past couple of decades, there is an increasing evidence that inflammation itself can cause or is associated with higher rates of chronic disease. Inflammation affects aging, the germs in our gut, and the functions of our intestines. In the short term, inflammation is a normal healthy response to invaders when your body encounters an offending agent such as viruses, bacteria, or toxic chemicals, it activates the immune system. Your immune system sends out its first responders, inflammatory cells, and cytokines, substances that stimulate more inflammatory cells to neutralize the intruders or to start healing injured tissue. In acute inflammation, the body jumps to immediate attention, for example, healing a cut. With chronic inflammation, your body continues sending inflammatory cells even when there is no outside danger. We are used to seeing acute inflammation on a daily basis, for example, when we hit our knee against a table and it reddens and heats. This is a manifestation of inflammatory changes occurring at a microscopic level, owing to increased blood flow and the dilation of blood vessels. Scientists have long known that while being of benefit to a host organism, inflammation can also cause tissue damage. But hidden inflammation is not always visible to the naked eye. It happens deep in the body, in our gut, our pancreas, and our blood vessels. As we age, our immune response becomes less well-regulated, and chronic inflammation can persist for months or years, with the immune system engaging in prolonged friendly fire, damaging the body over time. Right now, patients walking into their GP's office are unlikely to be routinely tested for hidden inflammation, although a cardiac clinic may test for an inflammatory marker called high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, or CRP, which is produced in the liver. But testing for inflammation proxies can be telling, says Ravella. For example, fat around the belly, which is a marker for the highly inflammatory visceral fat that wraps around inner abdominal organs, or high blood sugars, are signs of hidden inflammation. Ravella is particularly concerned with what she terms the skyrocketing of conditions like obesity, type 2 diabetes, allergies, and cancer, 
which she terms inflammatory diseases. Repeated studies over the past 20 years, including two in the influential New England Journal of Medicine, have shown a firm link between inflammation and cardiovascular disease, as chronic inflammation plays a role in arthrosclerosis or hardening of the arteries. Similarly, research suggests that chronic inflammation may play a part in DNA damage and gene alterations associated with several types of cancer. We know now that many of our chronic conditions are, at least in part, inflammatory disorders. By preventing or treating the inflammation, we may be able to decrease the risk of future disease, says Ravella. For example, half of people with heart disease do not have high blood cholesterol levels, which is a common risk factor for developing heart disease. But studies have shown that when we treat low-level inflammation, you can lower the risk of a future heart attack or stroke. Inflammatory diseases are the most common causes of sickness and death in the world today. Genetics play a part in these conditions in some more than others, but they can't be the only cause. Research is increasingly showing that many inflammatory diseases are largely lifestyle disorders. Of course, we can't change our genes, but we can change our lifestyle. Unsurprisingly, diet is key. So much of the anti-inflammatory approach involves your diet, which in turn affects the gut microbiome, the helpful germs inside of our intestines, says Ravella. Fiber is anti-inflammatory and vital for the health of your gut germs, she says. Few of us get enough fiber. UK research backs up her assertion. According to a 2022 report from Action on Fiber, only 9% of the UK adults met the recommended amount. In 2015, the government increased the dietary recommendations from 24 grams to 30 grams per day, and since then there has been very little change in the UK population intake. Much of Rovella's book devotes itself to the benefits of the Mediterranean diet, which is based on high-fiber and anti-inflammatory plant-based foods where the main source of fat is olive oil, with red meat and sweets as treats eaten only occasionally. Perhaps the biggest advert for the Mediterranean diet is the man who discovered and promoted it, physiologist Ansel Keys, who died in 2004 just shy of his 101st birthday. Variety does matter. One of the biggest misconceptions is that anti-inflammatory diet excludes different food groups. It's actually very inclusive, says Ravella. According to Action on Fiber, over the years, government policy has focused on reducing the amount of calories, salt, and sugar we consume. But there's been little focus on increasing foods and nutrients we need more of. Maybe it's time to take note. Ravella counsels patients to fill their plates with as diverse an array of plants as possible. This includes foods we have been conditioned to avoid, like whole grains, even beans, and those containing gluten, are anti-inflammatory foods, she says. Coniferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, and kale are especially healthy because they contain molecules which remove toxins, prevent DNA damage, and kill cancer cells. They offer powerful protection against chronic inflammatory diseases. She also recommends that soluble fiber found in bananas, oatmeal, and beans be included as well. Gut bacteria love these foods. They ferment soluble fiber to make short-chain fatty acids, which lower inflammation in the intestines and throughout the body. Repeated research, including a 2019 study in clinical nutrition, has shown that foods which are high in propanols, colorful berries, citrus fruits, whole grains and nuts, combat cancer-inducing free radicals, and regulate inflammatory markers, including CRP. Mushrooms are a natural source of vitamin D known for helping the body absorb calcium and supporting the immune system. Onions and garlic also stimulate immunity and promote gut bacteria, foods to avoid. The immune system responds to the Western diet, loaded with modern animal fat, sugar, salt, and refined carbohydrates and processed foods, 
as it would a noxious germ, says Dr. Ravella. Studies in both animals and humans show that this diet can directly activate the immune system, stressing the cells in our body and prompting immune cells to produce an overload of inflammatory molecules and fewer anti-inflammatory ones. Foods to avoid are high-sugar breakfast cereals, chips and other salty foods, processed meats including bacon and sausage, fizzy drinks, and anything including corn syrup and excess saturated fats. Do I really have to give up meat altogether? Modern animal foods are not the same quality as those eaten by our ancestors, say doctors. For example, antelope flesh, which anthropologists suggest is similar to paleolithic meat, is leaner and higher in omega-3 fats than modern meat. Meanwhile, there is an increasing evidence that animal protein is harmful for the body, leading to an excess of toxic substances known as hydrogen sulfide in the gut. This is tied to diseases like inflammatory bowel disease and even cancer. People sometimes claim that a low-carb, high-fat diet in modern animal foods helps them to lose weight, but the inflammation created by these foods can be a silent and insidious killer. So the cost of routinely consuming these foods is not always initially apparent. A poor diet can still lead to visceral fat and hidden inflammation, even in the absence of visible belly fat. In the early 1970s, Ansel Keys, he of the Mediterranean diet fame, observed a group of super-fit Finnish loggers who lived on a diet of red meat, butter, and eggs, and were dropping dead of heart attacks at the highest known rate in the world. Ravella's message is clear. Cut back on animal foods in your diet. In particular, minimize or avoid red or processed meats. If you choose to include animal foods in your diet, maximize your fiber intake first, then choose high quality fermented dairy, eggs, seafood, and lean poultry in small portions that will align with traditional dietary patterns like the Mediterranean diet. Wow, that's some good stuff indeed. Next article. A woman went to the ER with severe abdominal pain and discovered herbal tea had damaged her liver. Katherine Schuster Bruce wrote this article. A woman who went to the emergency room with severe abdominal pain was told that the herbal tea she had been drinking had damaged her liver, according to a report. The unnamed woman, 45, drank the tea daily for three days to try to improve immunity before she experienced pain in her upper abdomen and felt nauseous, doctors wrote in a case report published January 11th. Blood tests suggested that her liver was getting damaged, they said. Herbal tea is a rare cause of liver disease. The doctors who work in the U.S. said that herbal tea is a rare but often overlooked cause of liver disease. A 2015 survey suggests that more than a third of U.S. adults use herbal supplements. According to the report, the tea contained 23 ingredients, including reshi, mushroom, aloe vera, and Siberian ginseng. The woman fully recovered after she stopped drinking the tea. She was hospitalized for five days and stopped drinking the tea during her stay. After three days, blood tests showed that her liver function had improved and she no longer has any symptoms. When she was discharged, the doctors told her not to start drinking the tea again. After three months, the woman's liver tests were normal, doctors say. Herbal ingredients are not regulated in the same way as other drugs, so research regarding side effects is generally lacking. In terms of the ingredients in the woman's tea, the National Library of Medicine states that oral forms of aloe vera have been linked to a dozen cases of liver toxicity since 2005. Symptoms like abdominal pain or yellowing skin have resolved on stopping the supplement, and no one has gotten sick or died, it states. Meanwhile, reshi mushrooms have caused liver damage in two people, according to research. 
Clinicians publish case reports in scientific journals about unusual or rare things that happen to patients to inform their peers without needing to do comprehensive research, which can be time-consuming and expensive. The doctors writing this report urged other clinicians to familiarize themselves with herbal supplements so they can speak to their patients and educate them on potential side effects. Next article. California woman contracts HPV-related nail cancer following a visit to the salon. A California woman is speaking out after she developed a rare form of nail cancer caused by human papillomavirus, or HPV, following a manicure at a salon. In November 2021, Grace Garcia, 50, visited a new nail salon when her usual place was booked. During her manicure, the nail technician nicked the cuticle of her right ring finger. She cut me, and the cut wasn't just a regular cuticle cut, Garcia told Today.com. She cut me deep, and that was one of the first times that happened to me. I've been doing my nails for years and years and years. I was upset. The mother of three told the outlet she couldn't recall if the technician used new tools during the service, but that the wound did not heal after three days. In the months following, Garcia made numerous visits to doctors, one of which resulted in a prescription for an antibiotic that did not help before her gynecologist referred the San Gabriel, California-based woman to a dermatologist in April 2022. Her search for answers finally ended after seeing Dr. Tio Soleimani, a dermatologist at UCLA Health, who ultimately made the skin cancer diagnosis. She had squamous cell sarcoma, the doctor told Fox 11 Los Angeles. Hers was caused by high-risk HPV. Despite months of frustration, Garcia's advocacy on her own behalf resulted in her receiving a stage 1 diagnosis, which allowed for early intervention. The doctor performed mole surgery, the same type of surgery First Lady Jill Biden recently underwent, and found clear margins around her finger so no further treatment was necessary. The doctor says her situation is not uncommon. Interestingly, almost every single skin cancer I've dealt with that involved fingers or nails has been associated with high-risk HPV. That is alarming, and it's in younger patients. But the doctor says the HPV vaccine prevents developing this exact type of cancer. About 1.8 million cases of squamous cell sarcomas are diagnosed each year, and the incident of the disease has increased over 200% in the past 30 years, according to SkinCancer.org. Now Garcia is urging others to take charge of their own health. I fought all the way from day one because I knew something was wrong, she said. Wow, that is terrifying indeed. Next article. Pregnant woman accidentally records Golden Retriever's desperate health warnings. Cassie Morris is the author of this one. A Golden Retriever's urgent warnings to his pregnant human were captured on film, and now the emotional footage is going viral across TikTok. Mom and TikToker Brittany Welsh gained over 1.2 million views when she uploaded the stunning moment her dog Charlie detected something was amiss with her pregnancy. While we've seen dogs' incredible observation skills and emotional intelligence go viral in the past, like those concerned dogs who rushed to their mom's side the minute she broke down, Charlie's medical interventions suggest that dogs know far more than we give them credit for. That one time I was eight months pregnant and my dog was trying to tell me something was wrong and I didn't realize it, Brittany's video begins. We then see Charlie excitedly licking his human mom's face and sniffing her belly and wedging himself under her arms. Charlie then sits tensely before Brittany panting and displaying whale eyes, a dog communication in which they display the whites of their eyes, often indicating they are anxious or stressed. 
After sniffing intently at Brittany's belly, Charlie paws at her foot and calf until finally nudging his way under her leg and elevating it. When Brittany puts her foot back flat on the floor, the pup repeats the motion, wedging himself under her leg to prop it back up again. Spurred by Charlie's unusual behavior, Brittany made an urgent doctor's appointment where it was discovered her dog's medical instincts were right on the money. Nearly 1,000 TikTokers came to the comments section to applaud Charlie's incredible instincts and to share their own dog's amazing powers of observation. My dog knew both times I was going into labor before I did. Dogs are amazing, one user wrote. My dogs are the reason I took a pregnancy test. They were acting how they did when I was pregnant with my first. Another user shared. My dog literally knew I was pregnant before I did. He started sleeping all night next to my belly and did it for nine months. He never did that before. Another user wrote, My dog laid under me all day, and when I tried to move, she growled at me, so I went to get checked. Turns out I was five centimeters dilated in active labor, commented another user. My dog did this. Turns out she had the cord around her neck, and my BP was sky high, but I couldn't tell. I have POTS, shared another user. I was working at a dog daycare, and a couple of the dogs were going crazy at my belly, just like him. Turned out I was pregnant, and I didn't know, commented another. While we may never fully understand how dogs know what they seem to know, it's clear that our canine counterparts watch over us as closely and as lovingly as we do them. That's pretty sweet. Next article. Cardiac nurse didn't realize she was having a heart attack. Here's what women should know. Kate Kindlin wrote this article. Jennifer got... Jennifer Gaydosh had spent the past seven years working with heart patients as a registered nurse. When Gaydosh suffered her own heart attack last year at the age of 47, she did what many other women do. She ignored the symptoms. I see patients all the time who try to talk themselves out of symptoms and I roll my eyes, she said. It's really easy to convince yourself that you're fine. Gaydosh, now 48, is a cardiovascular registered nurse at HCA Healthcare's Rose Medical Center in Denver, Colorado. She had her first symptom scare when she was awoken in the middle of the night with a burning pain in her arm. She said she was also nauseous, sweaty, and pale. She went to the emergency room, underwent tests, and was discharged the next day with specific instructions to return if she felt any more symptoms. Gaydosh was again woken by pain two days later, but went to work instead of the emergency room. I went to work for a day and a half before my coworker, a fellow cardiac nurse, said, you really don't look good. You need to go back and get tested again, she said. I went back and got more tests, and that's when they discovered I was having a heart attack. Gaydosh, who had no risk factors, suffered a spontaneous coronary artery dissection, or SCAD, a condition that occurs when a tear forms in a blood vessel in the heart. I missed the very explicit direction to go back to the ER if I had return of symptoms, Gaydosh said. You're thinking, I couldn't possibly be having a heart attack. That was my mantra. The type of heart attack Gaydosh suffered is one that, is, that has no known cause and usually strikes women who are otherwise healthy. It is also shown in studies to occur more often in women who are postpartum and women who are experiencing or close to menstrual cycle. February is American Heart Month and Gaydosh, who suffered from her heart attack and continues on heart-related medication, has made it her mission to inform women about the symptoms of heart attacks that they should not ignore. Don't ever tell yourself you can't have a heart attack because anyone can, she said. Don't ignore my symptoms. Don't ignore your symptoms. Do not ignore your symptoms. Women in particular are worried about looking foolish or making a big deal or thinking, I have to go to work and I have to take care of everything. Ultimately, you have to take care of yourself first. Go get your symptoms checked out rather than ignoring them. 
Gaydash's cardiologist, Dr. Vijay Sabarao, an invasive cardiologist at HCA Healthcare's Rose Medical Center, shared a statistic that he hopes helps women see the dangers of ignoring heart symptoms. The mortality of women, if you combine all cancers, is lower than it is with heart disease. It's the number one killer of women. Just 54% of women recognize that heart disease is their number one killer, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. More than 60% of women who die suddenly of coronary heart disease had no previous symptoms. Doctors share their top five tips for women to prevent heart disease, and here they are. Number one, know your numbers. Know your blood pressure, cholesterol, and your body mass index, and whether you're putting in around 200 minutes of physical exercise per week. Get those statistics that can be done at an annual physical. Number two, set a benchmark. If you do something on a regular basis, like I can walk around this park in 15 minutes, that's good to know because if you can't do that for some reason, like back pain or arm pain or fatigue or shortness of breath, then that is your warning sign. If you're sitting watching TV and you get the discomfort, that means the heart blockage is already there. Even if you see a doctor six months or annually, you are with yourself the rest of the time, so you need to have benchmarks for yourself. Number three, ask your doctor questions. Women should come in and say, I want to know what my risk of heart disease is. This is the first question women should ask and one a doctor can easily answer. You need to ask the whys and the hows and the ifs when you come into a physician's office. Number four, know your family history. If you have a family history of vascular disease, heart issues, stroke, etc., that should raise your awareness immediately to say, I need to check my vascular system. Number five, know the symptoms. Most people with SCAD present with chest pain. If a 30-year-old has significant chest pain, she should not ignore that or say, I'm too young to have a heart problem. Usually, the pain does not get worse or change with a deep breath or posture change, but is unrelenting. If you're busy and it comes on and you stop the activity and it goes away and you do the same activity again and it comes back, that's a fairly classic symptom of a heart attack. The American Heart Association also has heart attack symptoms for women. Check them out online. Know that stuff, people. And do not mess around with your health. If you think you might be having a heart attack, see a doctor right away. Next article, three beverages dermatologists say you should avoid to prevent premature aging. And Lisa Cupido wrote this article. When it comes to achieving clearer, more youthful looking skin that glows, what you put into your body is as important, if not more important than what you apply to your skin. You can have a cabinet full of serums that all come highly recommended by skincare experts, but if you aren't following up on your skincare routine with a balanced diet rich in proteins, vitamins, minerals, and fats, your skin isn't going to get as many benefits as it could. Don't sleep on beverages when you're thinking about your food choices for better skin. Avoiding these three beverages can help you prevent premature aging, according to dermatologists. And if you're wondering which drinks are among the best for your skin, we snuck some of those in as well. Avoid soda. Even if you are already aware that sodas are generally unhealthy and high in sugar, you should be curious to know how drinking soda can harm your skin. Doctors and dermatologists who specialize in cosmetic dermatology say advanced glycation end products or AGEs are created when amino acids in the collagen and elastin that maintain the dermis are linked together by glucose and fructose. These are both found in soda. Glycation of amino acids make it challenging to repair collagen and elastin fibers, which leads to aging skin. Doctors advise against beverages that are heavy in sugars or produced with high fructose corn syrup like sodas and other sweetened fizzy drinks. 
avoid fruit juice and sports drinks. They may not have the same bad reputation as, as soda and fizzy drinks do, but fruit juice and sports drinks are usually loaded with sugar. And it's this sugar that can break down collagen and elastin. Better alternatives if you crave something sweet is to infuse water with fruits, berries, and citrus fruits. Avoid alcohol. According to the Journal of Clinical and Aesthetic Dermatology, drinking eight or more alcoholic beverages per week can dramatically change your skin and result in more defined fine lines and wrinkles, as well as an increase in blood vessels, which leads to ruddier looking skin and even puffy under eye area. Healthier alternatives. There are plenty of tasty healthier alternatives when it comes to beverages that can boost your skin's health and appearance. In a glass of warm water, squeeze the juice of one tiny whole lemon, say doctors. To it, add two or three spoonfuls of pure honey and stir. When you wake up, consume it on an empty stomach. In addition to assisting with digestion, a glass of lemon water with honey provides you with clear skin that is free of pimples and acne outbreaks. Another great drink is green tea which contains plenty of flavonoid antioxidants that help slow the aging process of the skin. A cup of green tea in the morning can improve the condition of your skin, cure acne, unclog pores, etc. The phases of skin carcinogens can be stopped or slowed down by green tea. And if you're wondering which juices are best for youthful looking skin, doctor's top choices are made from cucumber and spinach, which they say naturally moisturize your skin, while the high fiber content aids in toxin removal. For radiant skin, sip on a glass of this juice every day. Both spinach and cucumber are abundant in vitamin A. This juice's regular intake aids in the treatment of skin pigmentation problems. Additionally, it aids in the elimination of dark spots and management of acne and the slowing of skin aging. Wow, pretty interesting indeed. From a man with a black hairy tongue to vitamin D overdose, here are three fascinating medical cases from 2022. Catherine Schuster-Bruce wrote this one. Clinicians wrote about fascinating cases in 2022, including that of a man who developed a black hairy tongue following a stroke and that of another man who took 80 times the recommended amount of vitamin D. Clinicians published case reports in scientific journals about unusual or rare things that happen to patients to inform their peers without needing to do comprehensive research, which can be time-consuming and expensive. Case reports tend to shed light on unexpected symptoms, rare side effects, or innovative approaches to treatment, but usually more research is needed to support the findings. This year, for example, Insider reported a woman who was given a diagnosis of breast cancer after going to the dentist with a swollen jaw, a man with a giant gallstone, and a woman who took six times the recommended dose of CBD. Below are some other interesting cases from 2022. One man overdosed on vitamin D after taking 80 times the recommended amount. A case report published in BMJ Case Reports in last year in July described a middle-aged man who was hospitalized with diarrhea, weight loss, and ringing in his ears after taking 80 times the recommended amount of vitamin D for a month. Clinicians wrote that a private nutritionist had told the unnamed man to take the vitamin D supplements alongside 19 others. Vitamin D is fundamental for bone growth and obtained naturally from sunlight and foods like mushrooms and oily fish. However, if taken in large amounts, usually from supplements, it can be toxic to organs, including the kidney, gut, and heart. Blood tests showed the man's vitamin D levels were seven times the recommended amount and that his calcium levels were dangerously low and his kidneys were at risk of damage. Vitamin D regulates the amount of calcium in the body, so an overdose can cause high calcium levels, which can result in neurological symptoms including drowsiness, psychosis, and even coma. 
It takes about two months for the body to clear half the amount of vitamin D taken, so symptoms can last for weeks, the reports said. They said the man's case was uncommon, but that excessive amounts of vitamin D can have debilitating effects on the body. They said that while taking the recommended dose of vitamin D is safe, they encourage people to speak with a doctor before starting an alternative therapy or over-the-counter medications. A man had to quit sex after he developed rare post-orgasmic illness syndrome. And this is an interesting one. The case study published in the Medical Journey of Urology case reports last November described a 27-year-old man who quit having sex until he was prescribed an antihistamine that stopped him from experiencing flu-like symptoms every time he ejaculated. The unnamed man from Michigan experienced symptoms including coughing, runny nose, sneezing, and hive-like rashes after he ejaculated whether he masturbated or had sex. Doctors believe it was due to post-orgasmic illness syndrome, which causes flu-like and allergy-like symptoms after a person orgasms or has sexual activity or masturbation or spontaneously during sleep. Symptoms can last up to a week. The report suggested, while the case is unknown, the condition has affected at least 60 people in the past 20 years. There are no proven treatments, but the report said an antihistamine called fexafenidine led to 90% reduction in patients' symptoms, including the rash, allowing him to have sex again. The report's author said fexafenidine needed to be studied more to know whether it could help others with POIS. A man developed a hairy black tongue after changing his diet. A report published in JMA Dermatology in March described a man in his 50s who developed a black hairy tongue after a stroke forced him to eat a diet of pureed foods. The dermatologist wrote in the report that the black hairy tongue is more likely to occur in people on a pureed diet. It forms because of lack of abrasion or stimulation on the top of the tongue, leading to a buildup of a protein called keratin. As a result, conical projections covering the tongue called filiform papillae get long and take on a hair-like appearance. Persons may also get a hairy tongue because they have poor oral hygiene, smoke cigarettes, use oxidizing mouthwash, or oral antibiotics, they drink excessive amounts of coffee or tea, or they have conditions that suppress the immune system like HIV or cancer. In this case, the report said most of the man's tongue had a thick black coating sparing the sides and middle part. Black hairy tongue is a temporary harmless condition that usually gets better by brushing the tongue with a toothbrush or using a tongue scraper. The clinicians wrote the man's condition resolved after 20 days with proper cleansing. Wow, that's pretty scary. Next article. Her son choked on a peanut but seemed fine. A week later, it nearly killed him. Megan Holohan wrote this article. It happened so quickly. Maddie Atkinson, then 16 months old, was sitting beside his older sibling who was eating a snack. Maddie shoved something into his mouth and began coughing violently. His parents soon realized that he had popped a tiny piece of peanut into his mouth. He went into a coughing fit for 30 minutes, Justine Atkinson, 33, of Greenwood, Indiana, told USA Today. My husband and I were obviously worried. We immediately called the pediatrician. As the family waited for the doctor to return their call, Atkinson calmed Maddie and gave him some water. He fell asleep, which seemed like a good sign. His parents had no idea that the peanut still blocking his airway was a danger that could potentially turn fatal. When the pediatrician called the family back after Maddie's initial coughing fit, he put the family at ease. By this time, Maddie seemed back to his usual self and had fallen asleep. 
The doctor's response to us was that it was probably a good thing that Maddie was sleeping because if there was possibly something in the airway, he would be uncomfortable. That made me feel better, the mother said. The next day, though, Maddie began wheezing. His older two brothers had colds, so Atkinson thought Maddie's wheezing might be related. A few days later, she took him to the pediatrician to be sure. The pediatrician listened to him and ended up diagnosing him with RSV, she says. For about a week, Maddie seemed off. It's not like he's getting worse, but he isn't getting better, she said. When he stopped drinking milk and water, Atkinson called the pediatrician's office again, and the staff assured her that she was doing everything right. The next day, though, Maddie coughed up mucus and started turning blue. His lips turned blue. His color was really starting to go pale. He didn't go completely unresponsive, but it was definitely a lot of me trying to keep him with us, she said. We just put him in our car and went straight to the hospital. Doctors gave Maddie oxygen and performed a chest x-ray. He was transferred to the Riley Hospital for Children in Indianapolis, where doctors intubated him and put him on a ventilator. His chest x-ray revealed that his left lung had collapsed. At first, doctors thought it was because he had enterovirus, parainfluenza, and pneumonia. But when his lung kept collapsing, Atkinson mentioned to Maddie's night nurse that she was worried the piece of peanut could be hurting his breathing. The next day when the nurse was leaving, she had talked to the doctor and was really like, Mom was worried about the possible peanut with his lung collapsing. I really feel like we should do a bronchioscopy, Atkinson recalls. Later that day, Atkinson reminded the doctor about the peanut as he inserted a camera into her son's airway. Then he says... There's a peanut, she recalls. It all made sense because it was sitting right on top of his left lung, and obviously we were all happy to finally have answers. Before they could remove the peanut, Maddie's oxygen dipped dangerously low, and the medical staff struggled to revive him. They called a code blue. We had to go on ECMO, says his mom, referring to life support that their son had to be put onto. After Maddie's condition stabilized, doctors removed the peanut, which had broken in two and was cutting off 95% of his oxygen, his mom explained. He was on ECMO for four days while they let his left lung heal and reinflate. They were able to start weaning him off and he could start to move around a little bit more. Aspiration in young eaters. Sometimes food really can go down the wrong pipe, especially when toddlers are eating. Inhaling something is not something we think that happens frequently, but we do see it, particularly in young children, say doctors. It's the kids who are just getting out there on their own and working on eating solid foods. Children who aspirate food are normally not brand new eaters. Often they are a little bit older and trying to navigate the food independently. Experts say the most common aspirated foods are grapes, blueberries, and hot dogs. They just don't chew it up enough and they tend to inhale it, doctors explain. They add that older children in elementary school or middle school sometimes aspirate pen caps or tiny bits of plastic that they mindlessly chew on and accidentally inhale. Gray advises parents to seek medical help if their child's breathing changes. If the parent hears their child wheezing audibly, there's a sign that there's something caught in their airway and there's difficulty for air passing by whatever that object is. The first thing you need to do to help is either talk to your pediatrician or go to the emergency department. While parents might try the Heimlich maneuver to help their child, the first aid procedure generally only works with bigger objects. Even something tiny as a peanut can block a child's airway, which is about the size of their pinky finger, doctors explain. It's pretty amazing just what can get stuck in there and cause major problems. Coming home. Maddie's situation was complicated by the fact that he had two viruses and pneumonia. He came home with a feeding tube and he's had a little trouble swallowing liquid since his ordeal with the peanut. 
Atkinson says this experience has taught her the importance of advocating for her children. I've learned to follow my intuition as a mom, she says. There's no better assessment of a child than a mother, than their parents, so I'm just making sure that I'm continuing to follow my intuition and be the voice for my kids. Atkinson also encourages parents to be aware of their children's environments, making sure all the food is cut up and they're not laying down when they're eating, and always keeping eyes on them as best as you can. I've never thought that something so small like that would have done all this damage to our sweet boy, she says. That is interesting indeed. Next article. Drinking coffee is healthy for some people, but may increase the risk of early death for those with hypertension, study finds. And Alana Akhtar wrote this article. Coffee generally is considered a heart-healthy beverage when consumed in moderation, but it might be harmful for people with very high blood pressure. Two or more cups of coffee a day are associated with a higher risk of death from heart problems in people with very high blood pressure, according to a study published in the Journal of the American Heart Association. Compared to non-drinkers, people who drink two or more cups of coffee were roughly twice as likely to die from heart problems in the study. Though heavy coffee drinking was more risky for people with severe hypertension or high blood pressure, the same trend did not occur in people with normal or slightly high blood pressure. The study's authors were a group of Japanese researchers who analyzed the health data of 18,609 participants aged 40 to 79. Green tea consumption in any amount did not have an impact on heart health, according to the study. The study was first to find a link between coffee drinking and death from heart disease in people with very high blood pressure, the study's main author told the American Heart Association. Blood pressure is measured by the pressure in your arteries both when your heart beats and when your heart is at rest. People with severe high blood pressure should avoid drinking excessive coffee, ISO said. The AAH does not have an official recommendation for how much coffee to drink. The group has said one to two cups per day doesn't seem to be harmful on its website. Previous research has shown moderate caffeine consumption around one to three mugs a day might benefit heart health. A paper from last year that looked at three studies, including one that followed 21,000 adults over 10 years, found drinking two cups of coffee per day could lower the risk of heart failure by 30%. Prior research also found having around three cups of joe a day could lower the risk of heart disease. Coffee drinking has even been seen to stave off early death as a large paper from earlier this year analyzed the health of 171,000 UK residents and found that regular drinkers of unsweetened coffee were 16 to 21% less likely to die than their jobless peers. But newer studies have shed light on the potentially negative effects of coffee. A recent paper in the Journal of the American Medical Association found drinking coffee while pregnant could also impact a child's height when they grow up. So be careful with that coffee. And one final article for the day, how to avoid getting sick while traveling according to health experts. And Faith Geiger wrote this article. With the holidays upon us, or over at this point, many of us are hitting the road in order to meet up with faraway family members or get a little bit of vacation in. And while travel is certainly exciting, it can also put a strain on your immune system, which is why it's important to remember that your health should be a top priority. With unfamiliar environments, the potential for exposure to new germs and cold and flu season is in full swing. You should not forget to take precautions to protect your health while on the go. Here is a list of medical tips from doctors on how to stay healthy while traveling. Number one, anticipate potential health issues. As much as we hope that everything will always go smoothly when we travel, it's important to anticipate the worst or at least a bit of a hiccup and take steps to prevent any possible health issues. 
Consider wellness checkups with a primary care doctor before departure to talk about travel plans. Packing a portable health kit may also prove helpful, so consider including items like anti-inflammatory pain relievers, first aid supplements, earplugs, sunscreen, and sunburn relief, as well as motion sickness remedies and insect repellents. Number two, refill your medications. Doctors want to remind us of the importance of refilling prescriptions and packing extra doses. You can't keep your health in the best shape if you don't have the medication your body needs to thrive. Before any trip, it's good to refill medications and pack extra doses in, in case of travel delays. When traveling by airplane, always pack medication and carry on luggage to help ensure access. For international travel, be sure to check prescription drug restrictions for each country that you plan to go to to help avoid the risk of medications being confiscated. And lastly, reduce jet lag. Jet lag isn't only frustrating to deal with, it can take a toll on your health, which is why taking measures to reduce it as much as possible is vital. To help avoid jet lag, get lots of rest before a trip, drink plenty of water before, during, and after flights, then make a point to get plenty of sunlight during the day, which can help you reset your body's internal clock. Proper sleep can strengthen the immune system, better help regulate your appetite, and aid in recovery from injury. Plus, health benefits aside, you'll be able to enjoy your trip much better when you're feeling well-rested. That's great stuff indeed. Thanks everyone again for tuning into this episode. I want to wish everyone a happy new year. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can shoot us an email. We're at hypoalmapodcast at gmail.com. We will put that into the show notes as well as all of the articles we have used on the show today. And please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild health articles. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye.